This is a CBC Podcast. Walking into this place, like I still remember the first day, like huge bags under my eyes, my hair all messy, my clothes ripped, like, like F you, get me out of this place. This, this is, is my job. My job? It's about us. Teens and our stories and what we've been through. What we are still going through. Without any adult interruptions. Testing. Testing. Make full drop in five, okay. four, um, um, three, <laughs> two, drop the mic. <laughs> in this episode of Mic Drop, we're talking about doing things my way. I mean, there's always the constant pressure of them putting it on me here, do this, here, do this, here, do this, and me being dragged down by them because when they were drunk and high, everyone was asking me, Layla, are you doing it too? Layla, are you doing it too? Come on, one puff, one puff. I don't want to do it. Uh, he's there, they're talking about how on uh, Monday, he's bringing them brownies. Hi, my name is Layla. I'm 15, soon to be 16. The actual... Uh, joints. They didn't yeah. think that was enough, you know? No. And they wanted more. And they think that brownies <coughs> is going to make them more high than an actual... I don't know, stupid. My mom and I are very close because we don't have a huge difference in age. You know, 21 years apart. So my mom is like definitely like a best, like my best friend. I tell her everything. They're like, yeah, you should just do it. You should just do it. Like, you only live once, Layla. You should just, just do it. You only live once. So smoke pot? No, you only live once. So go skydiving. So, oh, yeah. so, so there's this guy at school who I used to be friends with. He enjoys weed. And my friends have randomly decided that they also want to get into it. And he's hooking them up, as they said. There was this one time I thought that day was going to be a normal lunch. And we start walking into Hortons and they're like, let's make a quick pit stop. So we go behind the store and one of them pulls out a thing of Pringles. I'm like, what is going on? What is she doing? And she just pulls out two joints. I'm like, oh my God. They're like, come on, one puff, one puff. Do just it. do it. You're stopping a baby. Just do it. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I started backing up because I didn't want to smell like it because I didn't want to be guilty by association. So then when they were done... We continued walking to Tim Hortons, and I go and buy my food, and one of my friends pulls out a water bottle. I'm like, what are you drinking? They're like, oh, why don't you find out by taking a sip? And it smells disgusting. I'm like, is this vodka? And they're like, yeah. Please do it. Please do it. Just a little bit. Just one sip. Just one sip. Just do it. If you do it, I'll do this. If you do it, I'll do this. No. I'm not into the alcohol or the drugs, I just, it doesn't have an appeal to me. I don't see the reason as to why people do it. It's not something I don't think I'll ever get interested into. And also religion too, because it is against my religion to do those things, but especially drinking. It's said like in the Quran that it's bad. Don't do it because it's, you're not you when you're drinking. You're not, you're not thinking straight. You can hurt other people without knowing it's, um, Kind of like a defense mechanism, I guess, maybe. My friends, we started walking back to school and, you know, it takes a little bit of time for everything to kick in. So they were normal at first, but as soon as we started getting closer and closer to the school, they started acting weird <laughs> and screaming 
and yelling some inappropriate stuff in the street. I would tell you what they said, but I don't feel comfortable telling you that because it was so weird. That's the only word I can think to describe their behavior that day. We get to school and I ditch them. I dart away from them. And I was just thinking, hey, it's their life. They can ruin it. Let them do what they want. They can rot their brain like that. But it's not something I want to do. I'm not going to be dragged down into this. They're like, you're such a loser. What's the big deal? Like, what's going to happen? What's the worst that could happen? I'm like, the worst that could happen is that I don't want to do it. I'm going against my beliefs, my principles. I have them. A lot of it comes from my parents and the way they raised me and just the way I think. I'm a very strong person. I stand up for what I believe in. I don't like to be swayed. I'm very stubborn. I try to be as open-minded as possible when I'm convinced of something or when I truly believe in something. I don't want to hear it. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. Well, rip city my mark. Rip City. Rip City. Mother. 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 My friends at school, I cannot tell them anything. They are not trustworthy at all. So my mom is the person I tell everything to. Everything. If I drank and I didn't tell her, it'd be killing me. It'd be eating me up alive. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. It makes me feel like I, like I have someone there who supports me. And it's like, yes, keep on doing that. Keep on doing that. Because... If I didn't, if I didn't have my parents, I don't know if I would have reacted the same way. I'm Olivia. I'm in grade 10 and I'm 16 years old. It started getting bad when I was around 13, 14 years old. Me and my mom had been arguing for a while and it was just about silly little things at first like put your dishes in the sink or go take a shower. No, I don't want to take a shower. Like it was just little things like that and we both went crazy and it just got bigger and bigger and we both didn't realize the extent that we were going to. It was getting violent and many times the police had gotten called on us from neighbors. Um, there was one time that the police showed up at our house. There was glass thrown all over the floor. We just didn't know what to do. And I just didn't know what was going on with me and my mom. I didn't know what our relationship had turned into. So at that point, I just started rebelling a bit, like where I was like, why am I even here? Like, why am I fighting with my mom when I can just be off doing something else? I started coming, not coming home on time. I started going to other people's houses. I knew I shouldn't be there. I'd just go and smoke or I'd go and pop a Molly or take a Xanax because that was my way of thinking. I wasn't myself. I was doing drugs and I was crazy because I was just not happy with who I was. And it wasn't my mom's fault. And I know that now, it was, it was me, it was, I chose that path.
it was my birthday and my mom told me not to invite my friend over but I invited her over anyways and my friend was also being a bit rude to my mom which wasn't respectful but I didn't say anything because I didn't care and she had kicked my friend out and I was like okay you know what do you want to kick my friend out I'll leave too so that was the first night that I had ran away There was cops out looking for us and everything. And my friend's dad found us and he saw me there crying. And, and he said, listen, I'm going to bring you to the police station. I understand what things have been going on. So that night I had gone to the police station and I had told them about all the violence and all the yelling and everything that's been going on. And they had decided to put me in a foster home because it wasn't a safe environment for me to be at home at that point. When I walked into that foster home, I felt so alone. I felt like I didn't really have anyone anymore. And it was a difficult feeling to feel. Felt like being in grade eight, not having anyone was hard. At that time, I didn't really have love in my heart. I didn't really have anything. I just felt so empty. And I felt like I just had nothing else to lose. The worst day was with I was with my friend at this person's house and I had a meeting with my social worker and my foster mother. So we all had a meeting and I just really didn't want to go and I just turned my phone off and just said, you know what, fuck it, I'm not, like, I'm not going. And we left, we left the house. We were high. We didn't know what we were thinking. We were like, we, we were two little girls on the street at 12 a.m. at night and we just started running. We were anxious, there was lights everywhere, we just didn't know where to go. So we ended up at a park. We both woke up, like maybe it was like three, four in the afternoon and the police had caught us at that point. We were both put into police cars and I was driven to my foster home and she was driven to her house. The day after I was, it took me so long to go back outside because I was so traumatized from being outside the whole night and from be, having to run. I think that was hurting me the most is that there was no one really there for me to be like, like, bro, like, wake up. What are you doing with your life? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, there's people saying like, don't do drugs. It's bad for you. Like, the common things. Like, but I wanted someone to really like, you know what? Slap me in the face and be like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? I needed someone to help me find me again. And then that's where Amkel came in. It's a group home. My first two weeks were horrific. One of the staff members here knew I, my biggest fear was spiders. And he had saw me crying and crying. I wanted to leave this place. I hated this place. So he gave me a broom and he said, go outside and clean all the spiders off the door. So my first night I had to take a broom and clean all the spider webs off the backyard door. And I guarantee you there was about 50 spiders on that door. Oh my gosh. I was like, I am in hell. Like I'm not getting out of here. Like I'm in hell. But I had people for the first time telling me, like, you, you created this life for yourself. You have to accept your choices and you have to acknowledge your choices. We had a lying circle and we usually do those circles when the staff members know you're lying about something, but no one admits it. 
So basically what happens if, if you're in a lying circle and no one admits it, there's a group consequence for everyone. And a group consequence could be like scrubbing the floors with SOS pads or having cheese sandwiches for dinner. So basically I lied and I didn't tell anyone and everyone had to scrub the floors and it was just horrible and it was all because of me and I knew that. It took me a couple weeks to really figure out like, listen, I need to do my shit right to be able to get out of here. How AMCAL works is that we had family meetings and to see that my mom gave so much effort into trying to fix our relationship really built such a good image of who she is now and how much like I really love her and how much she really did care back then and how much I didn't see it. Our communication level suddenly started to go way up. We started talking about our problems and how we wanted to communicate with each other and if one of us had a problem with something the other one was doing, we'd communicate instead of using violence. And AMCAL showed us that us talking and being a family again could really be the best thing for us, and it was the best thing for us. To be honest with you, I cried when I left. I created such a big bond with the staff here. Walking into this place, like I still remember the first day, like huge bags under my eyes, my hair all messy, my clothes ripped, like, like, F you, get me out of this place. And then walking out crying of joy, how much it helped me. Now, I mean, my mother and I are the best we can be. <laughs> we just sit and laugh together for hours. And she says like, oh, come watch this movie with me. And I'd be like, sure. We just sit together. We cuddle. We go out to restaurants. It's it's a good having a my mother back, you know. It's good knowing that my mother's there for me. And I know that she always will be. And it's a good feeling to have someone there. So now I'm in school full time and also have a job. And this year is the first year in high school I've ever passed math. Like, wow, I got like a 82 in math this year. Like, I was so proud of myself. Like, I used to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, not another day of this stupid craziness. Like, now I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I get to go see my friends at school. Like, I get to go eat some lunch. Like, I am I just think about things that teenagers should be thinking about. Like, oh, I get to go to a concert in two weeks. Like, things like that. Like, simple things. Olivia has really turned her life around. But if you're in the middle of your own struggle, Kids Help Phone is available 24-7. It's free and confidential. You don't even have to tell them your name. You can call 1-800-668-6868. 1-800-668-6868. They have a free app you can download called Always There. Or you can live chat with a counselor on the Kids Help Phone website. They can also put you in touch with all sorts of cool centers for teens, like NBS Studios, where we'll pass the mic to Jerry. Hi, this is Jerry, and um, I'm a 17-year-old artist. I have parents, I have Haitian parents, which, that they are immigrants, and when they came into Canada, they assumed that being an architect, lawyer, doctor, or whatsoever, is what was necessary to be happy in life. 
And when I came up to them with the aspect of music, they told me, nah, you shouldn't do music because it's not going to bring you any, anywhere in life. Yeah. And for me, music is like the best thing in the world. <laughs> so like I'm a producer, I'm a rapper, I'm a songwriter. I, I just love how my creativity is just, it just blows. Uh, here we go again with the new rapper in the game with the first track that he put on. Is it gonna be another one and be a rapper looking for the fame of the fame? My mom doesn't really like rap because it's contrary to the nature of God. So yeah, after I first my first track, whatever it happened, I showed it to my mom and she wasn't disappointed, but she wasn't happy to either, you know. She was like, Alright, it's good. It's not glorifying God. My parents do not understand my vision. Like, I have a white canvas, and it's up to me to decide how I'm supposed to paint it. And if I want to be an artist in the future, then that's what I will be. And I'm, I'm letting no one stop me. Woo! I have a choice between two rappers' names. I had Enigma. And yeah, Camino. Camino comes from a video game, um, Star Wars. It's the it's a planet. So I had Camino or Enigma, and I made people vote. And at the end, Camino won. So I was like, yes, I'm so happy with Camino too. So yeah, that's that's my rapping name, Camino. It's the kind of music where I don't need to curse to prove something. I can. When one of my friends told me that if you curse, it's just waste of words. So, you know, you could always find something else to replace it. And to be honest, I didn't like that idea. So I used to write curse words like basically every single line. And then I realized, nah, this is this is not me. And then I started rapping with facts inside of them, with con with actual content, with no curse word and. Once I like wrote those down, it just like phew, my my mind just went like overboard. <laughs> it couldn't stop. It couldn't stop like building more raps. At first, when I started rapping, my friends were like, "Yo, you know you should do a track like this. You know you should do a track like I'll talk about money or something or whatever." But I don't have the money, <laughs> so what am I? Why am I gonna rap about? Oh, I have a thousand Ks in my bank account when I have barely a hundred. Right? <laughs> so, so I like. I want to talk about facts and I want to talk about things that that the kids can hear, like the younger kids, like they can hear and be like, dude, I want to be just like that guy. I want to rap about things that are important. I talk about how, you know, you don't always have the support you need. So that's why you got to push yourself to the limits. Um, my dad, he doesn't support me in my music, but he he lets me he, he lets me explore, which which I find great, you know, because I know with my dad. I can make my music, and when he hears it, he's like, "Dude, yo, why your beat? Why your beat is bumping so hard? Like it's lit, it's fire, you know? <laughs> like I just love it. Like he, he speaks Creole, so he's like, oh, Gadi, that be is so fire.' <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, thanks, Dad." <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, I really love my dad, and I, and I love my mom too. She'll come around eventually. If you put the effort into it and just be focused and don't give up, then yeah, you're going to get somewhere. This is Camino. Peace out, people.
Mic Drop is produced in Montreal by Sherry Okeke and Carrie Haber. Jess Shane is our associate producer, and the show is mixed and edited by Crystal Duhame. Subscribe to Mic Drop in your podcast app. You'll automatically get the new episodes when they come out. And we'd love to hear from you. If you even use email, there's an actual email address, micdrop at cbc.ca. Follow us on Instagram at cbcmicdrop. You can also find us at cbc.ca slash micdrop. If you like what you're hearing, we'd really, really appreciate it if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.